Today's episode of Beyond the Mask is presented by the team at CRNA Financial Planning. Get a free consultation today to be guided through the complexities of investing and financial planning. Just visit crnafinancialplanning.com. Beyond the Mask is also sponsored by crnaeducation.com. CRNAs, you can get the CE credits you need by just going to crnaeducation.com. They have over 100 AANA prior approved credits, all four core CPC modules, and even over 40 pharmacology credits. No subscriptions, it's all online and mobile friendly. Just go to crnaeducation.com. And don't forget, listening to our podcast can earn you Class B credits. For more information on how you can submit them, check out our CE credit tab on our website, beyondthemaskpodcast.com. Welcome to Beyond the Mask, innovation and opportunities for CRNAs and advanced practice nurses with certified financial planner Jeremy Stanley and CRNA Sharon Pierce. Jeremy Stanley has worked with CRNAs for more than 23 years, and Sharon Pierce is a former president of the AANA and the NCANA. Join us as we leave the operating room and learn the latest in the CRNA and advanced practice nurse industries. Beyond the Mask starts in 10, 9, 8, 7. Sharon, what's happening today? Oh, well, another afternoon of podcast taping, and we saved the best for last, Jeremy. Of course, of course, our last one of the day, so uh, looking forward to this one, although, you know, whether it means anything to me or not, I'm not sure, uh, but I'll <laughs> oh, do my best. Oh, man, and we'll these, find out. these ladies can <laughs> help you out, <laughs> help you out. Well, I will tell you, you know, we have a Beyond the Mass doctoral committee, and uh, which is comprised of Nancy and Sandy, of course, our co-chairs of that. We have Tracy Castleman on it from New Jersey, Aaron Foley from Maine, and Drew Riddle, our rising president of the AANA. And we took submissions from across the country of uh, doctoral projects, and they chose this project as one of the ones that we would take uh, the podcast about. So we would like to welcome Morgan and Rachel from Kentucky. So if you ladies will each introduce yourselves, tell us a little bit about you, and then start talking about your project. And Jeremy and I will hang on for the ride. That's right. <laughs> okay. And if and if there's something I can interject on and give you guys clarity on about this, I definitely will. Okay. <laughs> sure thing. <laughs> okay. I'll, I'll start. My name is Rachel Ellis. Uh, I uh, grew up in Lexington, Kentucky. I got my BSN at uh, the University of Louisville in Louisville, Kentucky, which I loved. And I ended up starting at U of L Hospital and the Neuro ICU. Again, loved it there. That was my first real exposure to anesthesia because instead of having intensivists, we had neuroanesthesiologists as our intensivists. And so I got to see a lot firsthand from them and got to talk to a lot of the residents and the attendings. After I had a couple of years under my belt, I did travel nursing out West with my now husband and our dog, who we call our doctor, uh, Boone. <laughs> and uh, we got engaged out West and we decided to move back home to Kentucky have some property and some land. And I uh, applied to Northern Kentucky University. It's a nurse anesthesia program and I got in and 
that's my experience. And then in my free time, I like to hike. I like to rock climb with my husband and I just had a baby back in February. So it's been a fun year for me. Had a baby in February. We graduated in May and I will be starting my new job here in a couple of weeks. Wow. You have been busy. Did you know that you and Sharon had something in common? No. You're both from Lexington. Look at that. Well, she's just in North Carolina, a little different than Lexington, Kentucky, I would say. But, you know, yeah. hey, it is something in common. Yeah. So you've had a little bit going on, Rachel. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. Well, my name's Morgan Maley. Uh, I'm originally from Spartanburg, South Carolina. Um, I and it really confuses people because they're like, how did you end up all the way this far north? <laughs> um, but I had a degree in exercise science. I played golf uh, for the College of Charleston. That's actually how I met my husband who also played golf um, there. And I didn't really know what I wanted to do as far as work. I knew I loved science and I probably wanted to go into healthcare. And so I took my senior year to shadow uh, in the OR. I actually thought I maybe wanted to do surgery. And then I actually was very interested in uh, the person behind the drape. And so I kind of went down that avenue and thought I may go more towards the anesthesia route. My aunt that's a nurse practitioner has a lot of friends that are um, nurse anesthetists. And so after talking with them, I kind of committed to that um, route. And I went to nursing school in Charleston at MUSC, graduated in 2017, and then moved up to Lexington, uh, where my husband is from, Lexington, Kentucky. And I was a nurse at UK for about two and a half years in the surgical trauma ICU. And then I also applied to NKU's program and got in and graduated in May. And I've started working. This is my third week of work now at Jewish uh, Hospital in Ohio. Awesome. Hey, Morgan, do you think Ohio, that's that's not that far, though, right? It's just like right across the border there. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, Morgan, do you think the, the movie Wizard of Oz had anything to do with your anesthesia career? Uh, what was that mean? Oh, I, know. Uh, I threw you for a loop there. Nobody got it but me, but you said <laughs> actually, no, I get it behind now. the like, drape. And I was like, you know, the only thing I could think of was Wizard of Oz. Oh, my God. That was it. You know, I mean, I had to interject there, Sharon. You know? <laughs> I didn't even get that. <laughs> You're so weird. Uh, all right. No, I've seen that movie. <laughs> She has seen the movie. That's funny. <laughs> Who hasn't seen The Wizard of Oz, right? Uh, don't even go there. I work with a doctor that we were just talking about that, and he's never seen it. So, wow, uh, there are those people. Well, I better that... digress and let them go. Yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> why don't you, ladies, uh, introduce your topic and talk about why you chose that topic for your DMP project? Sure. So our topic, um, just like the topic name, is a non-cognitive needs assessment for nurse anesthesia candidates. And so our project really started with an interest among the program faculty about the multi-mini interview, or the MMI, and its potential use in NKU's admission process. The MMI is a type of non-cognitive assessment tool that has been used extensively in a variety of healthcare education programs during their admission process. And so we happen to also be on the admissions committee. So we were in a u- unique position to make this potential 
DMP project, and we were able to see firsthand in the first year on the committee that faculty were frequently expressing how difficult it was to narrow down between the candidates down to 20 candidates to be as a cohort due to the similarities and cognitive abilities in the, their interview performances. So with emotional intelligence and non-cognitive skills being a hot topic within the last couple of years, we thought a non-cognitive testing tool like the MMI could provide valuable data to help further discern the most well-rounded candidates for the program. All right, and- you've got to, you got to stop here and tell <laughs> what does the M- MMI look like? What does that really mean? Give me some nuts and bolts around that. Sure. Because I think a, a lot of people won't have any clue what that is. Yeah, so the MMI is a scenario-based prompt that assesses specific non-cognitive attributes that an admission committee finds valuable in their prospective students. So the candidate will rotate to a specific number of stations with different interviewers and different prompts, and the candidate has a specific amount of time at each station. So I actually happen to do an MMI for one of my admission interviews for another program. And I personally loved it because I forget how many stations they actually used, but each station had a different thing that they were looking at and it was different interviewers. So it really got to showcase uh, a lot of my attributes and strengths. And then if I happened to do bad at one station, I could always make up for it in a different station because it was usually it was usually asking a totally different prompt and a totally different scenario. And I do remember one uh, station in particular, it was it was me and another girl. And so we were partners in this, but it was all about communication skills. So it's basically like we had to describe these symbols basically. And the, my partner had to be like, okay, that's an A. Okay. That's a B. That's a C. And at the end of like spelt a word. And so it's basically just working on communication skills and how well we work together. That's just like a simple example, but it's um just a scenario prompt. You can look at a whole lot of attributes, again, as to what that program feels is valuable for their program and for students to be successful in that program. All right. So how many stations did this particular one where you interviewed have? Just to- I, I don't remember, but I, I want to say there were there was a, a six to eight stations. And I think we had like two minutes to read the prompt and then five minutes or less to give an answer. And it's not all clinical stuff. No, no. So because like, I've seen some schools that filmed uh, and looked at codes and they would take their interviewees and throw them in a code to look at communication skills, how well you work with somebody else, those types of things. Yeah. There's, they're not all clinical based. Uh, some of them can be, I remember, one of my like clinical, technically it was a clinical base, but it was more of like an ethical dilemma that you had to talk through about like what you would do. So like as a bedside nurse, the doctor ordered an absurdly high amount of digoxin, I think was the drug and the pharmacist didn't catch it. And I didn't catch it. And I gave it and it led to this severe adverse outcome for this patient. Like what would, what would I do next? And so I had to like walk through my, my thought process and my steps of what I would do. So it is clinical based per se, but also it it dove deeper into, you know, more of like an ethical situation of what you should do. 
Wow. So Morgan, when you interviewed in any of your interview process, did you have to go through anything like that? So you just decided, hey, let me do a project on it so I can subject somebody else to it. It, it was really fun though. And I, I got to meet a whole bunch of different people and everyone had different backgrounds. They were all CRNAs, but they worked at different places and it, it was really cool. I really, I really enjoyed it. Did they film any of them? I know some schools will videotape them. Yeah. Some will video. Mine was not, mine was all in person. And so I just, there's two different groups. And so one group did something else. And then the other group went downstairs to do the MMI portion of the interview in the admission. But they all have the same rubric uh, in the scoring system. And I do remember one other question. One other question was like, you work with a colleague who doesn't want to work weekends. How would you go about that? And so hmm. that one wasn't, you know, cl- super clinical based, but more of like uh, gauging your decision making and like step in your thought process, essentially. Attention all certified nurse anesthetists. Are you in need of a reliable and quality continuing education option? Well, look no further than crnaeducation.com. We are an NBCRNA recognized provider offering all four core CPC modules to meet your certification requirements. You can choose from more than 100 AANA prior approved Class A CE credits with 43 articles covering a wide range of anesthesia topics. Need pharmacology CE credits? Well, we've got you covered there as well with over 40 pharmacology CE credits available. All credits are completed online and are mobile friendly. Choose articles worth one, two, or three credits. There's no subscriptions, no hidden fees, just the CE credits you need when you need them. Owned by CRNAs since 2011, you can trust in our commitment to your education. And customer service is always a quick email or phone call or even text away. To sign up and find out more about our education options, visit crnaeducation.com, your partner in continuing education. That's crnaeducation.com. All right, Jeremy, have you thought of a question yet? Are you hanging on, brother? No, I'm, I'm hanging on. I mean, this is interesting to me. You know, I, know like, you, um, I knew you would like it. <laughs> I, I've it never heard of the MMI, but, you know, I, I did do a little quick research before we got on. And, you know, it said that usually you're at a station for, what, five to eight minutes or something like that. So it's relatively quick throughout yeah, the process. Yeah. Like speed dating for uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah exactly exactly that's kind of i mean I and i would imagine you can pick up a lot i hope to never be in uh the position but i always said if something happens to pierce i'd do speed dating because i'm telling you in five minutes you know if you want to be around somebody or not right mm-hmm. that is so that is pretty I true I, I absolutely i could see Although, where sharon you i'm gonna shut up i'm gonna say you're wrong because you can spend years around people and not know who they're they are all right now i know what you're talking about and <laughs> you can just slow your roll <laughs> i'm just saying i've known you for a long time i, can say that I know i know sometimes i'm a poor judge of character thank god i'm not a poor judge of character with you all the time um, right so 
talk about some of the literature. I know you got to do that dreaded literature review for God's sake. It's so painful. And then trying to write that thing up, it's even more painful. If you see, I'm wearing my Yale shirt. I got my doctorate from Yale in 21 and uh, don't, I'm glad you ladies have already done it. Don't try and go back to school when you're 55. It's extremely painful, Um, but tell us about your literature review results. So, um, Before we get into the results, it's important for me to first note that um, our review focused on admission methods for healthcare programs in general, because there's very limited research that focuses specifically on nurse anesthesia program admission as it relates to student success in a program. But overall, our literature review sought to determine the predictive validity and reliability of both traditional and non-cognitive admission methods, as well as identify potential for bias with each method. And what I mean by traditional criteria, um, basically it encompasses everything that's not a non-cognitive type test like the MMI. So things like pre-admission GPA, GRE scores, any type of pre-admission like test scores, personal statements, things of that nature. Interview. I mean, I guess that would go into that. Yes. I guess the personal interview. Yes, that as well. (laughs) Yeah. and then I want to define a couple of the terms I just talked about, just so it'll make more sense when I talk about really what we found in our review. So first is predictive validity, which is the degree to which a test or criteria will predict an outcome that it's intended to predict. So for example, one of the biggest goals of the admission process is to admit students that will be successful in the program and variables of student success vary in the literature, but are consistently things like GPA throughout the program, objective structure clinical examination scores or OSCE scores, performance clinical or clinical performance metrics, um, and so on. And um, one thing that you could look at specifically for nurse anesthesia students would be like the C exam scores. Um, That could be a predictor of student success. So when looking at predictive validity of a test, you'll want to see does that information positively correlate with the variables of student success throughout a program and do so with statistical significance. And the next term I want to define is reliability of a process or tool, which is determined by its ability to produce the same results with repeated trials. So, for example, does the admission criteria or test positively correlate with factors of student success throughout a healthcare program for each admitted student within a cohort and do so consistently from cohort to cohort? And the MMI reliability can also be in terms of how accurate the tool is at measuring the specific non-cognitive attributes that you input into the technology. So now I will um, go over what our results were. So overall, in terms of the predictive validity of traditional versus the non-cognitive scores, so the only traditional admission criteria that we found to be consistently Uh, have consistent positive predictive validity was pre-admission GPA. The other traditional admission criteria did not overall have um, predictive validity uh, in a consistent manner or with statistical significance. And then the non-cognitive test scores and in my scores also had high predictive validity of um, factors of student success throughout the program. And then in terms of the reliability and bias of traditional uh, Admission criteria, it was similar um, that pre-admission GPA was the only criteria that was found to be reliable. However, it was considered to be have a tendency towards bias along with all of the other traditional admission criteria. And then the MMI scores or non-cognitive um, testing uh, was found to be reliable and unbiased. So overall, what we concluded was that 
for an admission process, it's probably best to do a hybrid approach of both looking at cognitive type um, skills, which are usually you see you get that with the traditional admission criteria and particularly weighting pre-admission GPA based off what we found and um, doing that along with a non-cognitive testing tool like the MMI would yield a more well-rounded um, holistic uh, admission process. So yeah, that's what we found in our literature review. And the next big step for us after we kind of compiled all of the evidence uh, was to perform um, a needs assessment, which I'll let uh, Rachel talk about. Yeah. So I just want to talk about like what a needs assessment is. Uh, so a needs assessment is a systematic process for determining and addressing needs or gaps between current conditions and desired conditions or wants. So the needs assessment was part of our planning process, and it can be used to clarify problems and identify appropriate solutions. So to successfully implement a non-cognitive testing tool like the MMI into NKU's nurse anesthesia admission process, a need for this type of tool needs to be determined. So that's where Morgan and I come into play. So we accomplished this by implementing a non-cognitive attribute survey within our target population, which consisted of two groups. The first group being our clinical site CRNAs and anesthesiologists, and the second group being the nurse anesthesia program program faculty members. So the purpose of the survey that we made was to identify if there was a trend in the top six non-cognitive attributes that are chosen among those two groups, again, clinical preceptors and nurse anesthesia faculty members. If there was consistent consensus among these two groups as to what top six attributes SRNAs need to have to be successful in the program, and then, then this would support the implementation of a non-cognitive testing tool into the admission process. So just kind of bring it all together. If all of those involved in NKU SRNA training know what non-cognitive attributes they are looking for in students to be successful in the program, then a tool that identifies those attributes would be able to provide valuable uh, to the admission process as a whole. However, if these two groups have vastly different opinions on what non-cognitive attributes are important for student success, then a tool like the MMI, MMI may not be um, successful in identifying candidate success. So, so I got a question. You know, what are those non-cognitive qualities that mm -hmm. th that you would expect to be in there? Because I mean, there there seems like there could be some variation from what you're saying from school to school, director to director, admissions to admissions. Um, did you guys look into any of that or, or what were you tested on um, when you utilized this? So in order to determine which attributes that we were going to, and we'll get to like how we made the survey, we did some research to see like what, and that kind of went into our literature review too. We could see what attributes were commonly being tested and um, we ultimately went with attributes that could be tested by the MMI that like had it in their software, as well as attributes that we found consistently in the literature, like what they were testing for mm. um, in the different research study or the different studies that we uh, looked at. I don't know. Do you uh, do you even know what attributes you were tested on for like communication? I think communication was definitely one. Uh, ethical reasoning is another mm. that I think was tested uh, professionalism, I think with all stations is something that can be tested, whether it's with your responses or just how professional you look coming into an interview. 
um, respectability, being a team player, self-awareness. Yeah. Confidence. I think all of those play a role and it's, it's hard because you can, there's so much that you can gauge into one station. All, a lot of this can be intertwined. Like, can you communicate effectively your response? Can you articulate what you're trying to say? Mm-hmm. Is she, or he professional? Is she adaptable or he adaptable? So it's really hard to just, you know, narrow it down because there's a lot that can be at play in, in a lot of these stations. But again, that's what Morgan and I looked at in our literature review about, you know, what were those attributes that these programs were looking for? And again, each program was different because each program thought student success meant something different. And so that's what we were trying to figure out with our program, what was most important for our clinical sites and the preceptors that we're working with day in and day out, and as well as our faculty members. And like along with our needs assessment, like what we meant by we wanted to see if there was a consensus, it's because if there is a variation, what didactic faculty are looking for um, and clinical preceptors are looking for, then if you if you use that tool to discern candidates, then you may be choosing candidates that might be successful in the classroom, but not in the clinical setting. Or you might be leaning towards someone that is good at clinical, but not didactically. So right. really to be able to, there needs to be a consensus or otherwise that tool may not be successful and it may not you know, produce a well-rounded candidate that's good in both of those fields because you need both to be able to get through the program. Right. And, and success is such a subjective term. So we were trying to also, you know, make it more objective and by having the MMI and like what specific attributes are we looking for to help alleviate some of that stress from faculty members of, you know, I like this candidate for this reason. And it'd be more an objective tool to have when you're reviewing candidates. Right. So what did you, did you find out that the clinical fac, faculty and didactic had the same expectations or did you actually find that there was a difference between expectations with all of this? So we, um, we had, so we think a, a pretty high number of people who completed our survey. So we had 148 participants complete our survey and Good. seven of those were faculty members in the 148 or 141, sorry, were uh, clinical preceptors. So the sample size of the two was a little off. So it made uh, statistically significant data a little more difficult. But we did find consensus among the two between clinical preceptors as well as faculty members. And I'll just dive into what we found. The top six non cognitive attributes that were found similar between those two groups were um, critical thinking skills, accountability, communication skills, adaptability, integrity, and motivation. So those are the top six that both uh, faculty and preceptors found when looking at student success. And they also ranked them in importance similarly. So what was number one? Critical thinking. in order of yeah. performance, yeah. So it's okay. really funny. I mean, I've been working with CRNAs for a long time, and I live with one. Um, and you know, I'm, my work wife is one as well. So um, everything you just named sounds exactly like every CRNA that I know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, it's amazing, you know. And, and I think I'm just kind of listening to this. I mean, there's a lot of 
places out there they're using EI these days to kind of identify candidates. And I mean, some of this is overlap and, you know, mm-hmm. some of these qualities and so forth. I mean, it's interesting to me to hear it. You know, I think the more that we can delve down into who is going to be successful in nurse anesthesia is great. But to your point, I think you've got to identify what that success means. Is it just that they get through school and they pass their boards um, or is success getting through school, passing their boards, and becoming a productive member of the nurse anesthesia community? Who are you looking for? Mm-hmm. Um, and this, to me, kind of targets, you know, just listening to accountability, integrity, motivation. This kind of targets the latter of that, someone who gets through school, does a good job, takes care of their patients, and can give back to the community. And, you know, if in my viewpoint, if I was looking at two candidates and one wasn't going to give back and one was, I know who I would choose. But. Right. And that was kind of our goal was, you know, to add something to the admission process that like we are don't already have, which they didn't have like a non-cognitive type test. And you do it in an objective way to where you have a scoring system. Yeah. And that way, like you're not looking back on the interviews, like getting all confused about who is who and and you're not just looking at another traditional criteria like GRE scores. Like, so somebody's not right. getting skipped on because their GRE score was 10 points lower than another person, but they look exactly the same on paper otherwise, and they can't choose between them. Like the evidence doesn't show that the GRE scores are going to be more predictive of, you know, success or. So I just think that some programs keep adding these, you know, cognitive type testing or, other criteria to narrow down candidates when they could possibly be utilizing something different like the MMI or some other non-cognitive type test. Yeah. And maybe more meaningful too. Again, you, everyone knows what you're looking for. You have an objective rubric and it's not super subjective. So just really honing down what everyone is looking for. Beyond the Mask is made possible by the team at CRNA Financial Planning. With almost two decades of experience, the firm guides CRNAs through the complexities of investing and financial planning. Schedule a free consultation today by calling 855-304-3748 or go online to crnafinancialplanning.com. So I'm assuming that the school has adopted this and their interview process? So um, not the MMI specifically, but um, overall, when we were conceptualizing our DMP project, our hope was that the faculty would utilize the results of our project to implement the MMI or another type of non-cognitive testing tool um, into future admission cycles. And our results were known prior to the 2021 admission cycle. And the faculty did indeed utilize our results to implement their own scenario-based written and verbal portion that measure the top six attributes that our needs assessment identified. And they also utilized um, that same um, strategy in 2022. I think they tweaked it a little bit. But while we didn't collect any physical data from these two admission cycles, the feedback from faculty was positive. And overall, they felt um, it was valuable for the admissions process and plan to continue using it in future admission cycles. And one future implication for NKU faculty is to kind of run with this, uh, take this information that they get during the admission process and take those like the non-cognitive scoring that they, the data they get during the admission process and follow the admitted students' success throughout the program. 
-hmm. they can do this by measuring variable or uh, collecting data on variables like OSCE scores, cumulative GPA year to year, TIFN evaluations, NCE scores, CC exam scores, um, first time board pass rate. That would help to um, determine if uh, non-cognitive interview scores correlate with variables of student success throughout NKU's nurse anesthesia program specifically, and therefore determine if the tool is actually adding value to their admission process, as well as over time determine the tool's reliability and predictive validity. And if the faculty wanted to pursue it as a longitudinal study, it would provide information about utilizing a non-cognitive admission tool in nurse anesthesia programs specifically, and um, begin to close the gap that currently exists in the literature regarding the use of a non-cognitive um, aid for nurse anesthesia program admissions specifically. Jeremy, are you away? <laughs> you look like you were going to say something, so I didn't say anything. <laughs> <laughs> you were leaning in like you are getting ready to say something. Uh, well, I, well, I'm always getting ready to say something. I'm trying to give you a moment. <laughs> Uh, can we talk a little bit about your construction of this and maybe the dissemination piece of it as well? Besides being on Beyond the Mask. Right. <laughs> <laughs> or did you just disseminate within your your program or do you have any plans of, of offering it to maybe any other schools that would be interested or? Yeah, I was wondering what you were going to do with it next. If you guys are done with it, or you're going to try to take it to a next level or what would be the goal here? So we disseminated it within our, um, within our nurse anesthesia program and then here. But I think really, if anything else is going to be further, it's probably going to be within the with the faculty, just because once we started doing it, the ethical side of us being able to see the the candidate scores and then following like student success. So like we ultimately decided that if they wanted to run with it and, you know, do a future study, then um, it would be more them that would kind of run with it and do any other type of longitudinal study or. Um, so do either of y'all still serve on the admissions committee? No. We do not currently, but the process is for current students to be on the mission committee. There's nothing with the alumni yet, and I don't know if there will be, but I assume if they do implement having um, previous students come back and be part of the mission process that we would be happy to serve just because of the nature of our project. It's something that we're obviously very interested in and have Played, I think, a big part in helping to improve it. So I think we could provide valuable feedback and input as well. But I think our part is going to end here. Uh, you gotcha. you graduated. <laughs> and you're, and you're, looking you're like, we're done. The, uh, cords and, uh, yeah. yeah. Trying to get uh, now, yes. in the profession. But it sounds like you ladies did a Herculean amount of work on this. Holy cow. Yeah, we did a lot, but I thought it was very interesting and it was very, very fun. And um, I don't know, it was just it was just fun. And we got it done super early compared to most of our classmates. So I think that was a big relief for us just to have it completed and out out of the way. Well, you make uh, good 
point when you're talking about the different qualities. I think that every school looks for those. They just are using the interview process to be able to assess all of those things. But you've quantified this so it would kind of level the playing field just mm-hmm. a little bit more, I think. It's it's very interesting. Uh, it makes me wonder if I would have gotten into anesthesia school mm-hmm. all those years ago. But I was a I was an OR nurse uh, at Wake Forest and I went to Wake Forest. So everybody knew me. So um, they knew if what qualities I had, I guess, or ones that I lacked. Who knows? (laughs) (laughs) You've done okay. So we're good, right? You've done okay. I would hope so. It's too late now. Well, you know, I mean, in, in every process there is some amount of bias. I mean, you're never going to be able to take that out completely, but I think what this sounds like this would do would be to alleviate some of that bias in the the process. And anytime you can do that, obviously that's a a really good thing. And so maybe, uh, maybe you two could present at an ANA meeting or something like that with this project moving forward and, introduce this uh, at some level to other faculty and educators just throwing that out there guys but you know I mean having a new baby and starting a new job and all you've got going on I understand but hey school's over you're gonna make money now hey there you go it's all good it's all good that's right we did we did try to go to the um uh didactic conference that's usually held i think in february or march but we missed the cutoff by like a week and they were not accepting any more applications mm. yes so that was unfortunate for us because that would have been the best place to disseminate our project and our results and our findings yeah. but we just unfortunately missed the cutoff yeah now yeah, i was thinking about that when i when i'm in when i said uh, that so it'd be a great place mm-hmm. but there's always next year guys that's right. Just saying. <laughs> <laughs> uh, if you want us to, we'll get you in touch with the people and, you know, you can kind of go from there. Just let us know. Right, Sharon? That's it. We so, know people, don't we? Just a few. <laughs> <laughs> I can talk to Lorraine. Maybe we can get the foundation behind this and foundation can do a study, you know, hey. Yeah. It would be nice because, again, there's very, I was shocked by how very little data there was just for our profession as a whole in this topic. So there should be some sort of study. I think it would be very interesting. Yeah. I think it's interesting. So my um, oldest daughter just graduated from nursing school and um, is taking a job at Duke and the MICU and she will be proceeding down this path as well. So I find it interesting as well. um, You know, the interview process and so forth. And, you know, I think about people like her, you know, there's a lot of, variation depending upon where you interview and what you're doing and and so forth so it would be nice if um if you could kind of narrow that pathway down a little bit as well so for sure all right well sharon you got anything else any other questions i think i think that's it all right well ladies did a really really good job yeah this is good stuff i mean you even dumbed it down where i could understand some of it so that's that's great so (laughs) Um, but we really appreciate you being on the show. We're glad that, um, that we could, we could do this and you guys got picked. Uh, I definitely see why they picked, uh, picked you and you're both very smart and bright and did a great job on this. And we'll look forward to see what else you do in the anesthesia community moving forward. 
And who was your program director? Uh, Dr. Otis, or she just had a name change, so Dr. Tenhundenfeld. Okay. I don't believe I know her. That's unusual for me not to know. (laughs) (laughs) Our program is newer, so we were the fourth class. Okay. Graduated, so... Well, I know that she will be super proud of you ladies uh, for doing this. So I think it, yeah, do you probably know Dr. Barber? Of course I know. Yes. I know Dr. Barber. She served on my board whenever I was AANA president. Excellent, excellent board yeah. member. She was, um, I was region director and she was state president of Kentucky. Yes. Yes, she is um part of their faculty and she is amazing. We've, I, I think I can speak for our entire class. We've learned so much from her and she, I would say makes our entire class one advocate for the profession, just from her background and her experience and just all the knowledge that she has brought to our class and the future classes that she's going to do. It's amazing. Like she, she is, she is something I'll tell you a little story yeah. about her before we wrap up here. Whenever I was president and Deb was on my board and we had all gone shopping and and she asked uh, the salesperson for a size zero. And Linda Getz also served on the board and she was in there. She goes, you can't be a zero. That's a that's a nothing. How can Everybody wear a zero, but that's what size clothes she wears, a size zero. <laughs> uh, she is small but mighty, that yeah. is for sure. Oh, yes. I have seen her take on some people that uh, was interesting, and she does it very calmly, um, but with a lot of power. <laughs> All right, we'll quit gossiping now. Jeremy, why don't you wrap us up? All right. Well, Sharon, I think it's a wrap. (laughs) I think so. All right, the end. We're done. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you, ladies, Uh, so much. So sorry we were running a little bit behind, but you did an amazing job. And I know Deb would be proud of you ladies, too. Thank you so much for having us. Yes, thank thank you, guys. Good luck in everything. Thank you. See you at a meeting one day. Okay, bye. See you a lot. Bye. Bye. Hey, CRNAs, it's time to simplify your continuing education. Welcome to CRNAeducation.com, your trusted provider for CPC core modules and a plethora of Class A CE credits. You can explore 43 detailed articles covering various anesthesia topics, all from your favorite device, anytime, anywhere. And with over 40 pharmacology CE credits, meet your state board requirements effortlessly. Whether you need a few credits or everything to recertify, we have what you need. Just complete your credits online without any subscriptions or recurring charges. You can trust in our 100% CRNA-owned platform, established in 2011, ensuring you receive the best in customer service and educational content. Ready to learn? Go to crnaeducation.com, making continuing education easy and accessible. And don't forget that support is always a quick email or a text or phone call away. To sign up and learn more, just go to crnaeducation.com.
Today's show is brought to you by the folks at CRNA Financial Planning, an independent consulting firm that offers financial planning services exclusively to CRNAs and their families. From planning for a child's future college expenses to building a predictable income stream in retirement, the firm is committed to offering you comprehensive financial services, customized to fit your unique needs and objectives. If you have questions about your financial future, get them answered. Call the team at 855-304-3748. That's 855-304-3748. Or go online to crnafinancialplanning.com. Hi, this is Jackie Rolls, President of the International Federation of Nurse Anesthetists and President and Founder of Our Hearts, Your Hands, a global anesthesia support community that takes donations to allow nurse anesthetists in low and middle income countries to go to educational programs, buy equipment or textbooks. Your donations are tax deductible and we would appreciate your support. Be sure to subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and anywhere you like to listen to shows. Also, be sure to check out beyondthemaskpodcast.com. Each episode is posted there with a corresponding blog post, and we timestamp important parts of the episode to help you quickly get to the content you're looking for. Also, check out the special series section on the site. You can follow along and catch up on the CRNA History Series, episodes specifically about political conversations in the industry, or try the CRNA Personal Finance Series. It's all on beyondthemaskpodcast.com. And if you have a question for the show or want to be a guest or even suggest a particular topic, fill out the contact form on the site or send an email directly to us at info at beyondthemaskpodcast.com. And lastly, let's take the conversation social. Check out our Beyond the Mask podcast Facebook page and Facebook group.